sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome into the morning after. I'm Dubs Anderson filling in for Benny Stevens here on a Wednesday morning, breaking it all down from the sports betting universe. And what a loaded show we've got coming up here this morning. Chantel Chan is going to join us. Brian Fonseca, Mark Zeno to talk a little college football, and my main man, Joey Ranieri, to break it all down. But we got to talk about last night's game, game three. In the World Series, in the Philadelphia Phillies, absolutely romped it. They put on a show in their home ballpark, taking a lead in the series 2-1. to one, And it was all about the big hitting Bryce Harper early in this one. The Phillies go up 2 to nothing in that first inning, and that was the end of the story. And it looks like Bryce Harper figured it out. He sends this uh, home run there in the first. He runs back to the dugout. He tells the next guy out, boom, hey, I think uh, McCullough's is tipping us. This is what he's doing. This is the pitch he can expect. And yes, they absolutely figured it out there. For Lance McCullers, he sets a World Series record by surrendering five home runs in a World Series game. That is not a statistic or a score that you want to be associated with, but it wasn't all about Bryce Harper. Bohm gets a homer. Brandon Marsh, Kyle Schwarber, and Reese Hawkins there in the fifth inning to chase away Astro starter Lance McCullers. Junior. Ranger Suarez was decent there for the Phillies, but I mean, when you get off to a hot start like that and you bring in that raucous environment of that Philadelphia crowd who are searching for their first World Series since 2008, that's absolutely what we needed to see. People were doubting the Phillies coming into it, saying the Astros have got too much class. We don't care if they're going on the road. They've been there and they've done it all before in the World Series. Can the Phillies continue this hot run in the postseason? Now 6-0 in Philly in their home ballpark. Yes, they absolutely showed us there last night. The big bats were absolutely swinging. What about that Schwarber bomb? It went about 550 miles out of that ballpark. Sent career there. And we're going to run it back tonight for game four with the Phillies leading the World Series 2-1. to one. Now odds on favorite to take out the series. And the money starting to look a lot, of, a lot tighter out there tonight. So we're definitely going to be breaking down that one for the Phillies. It'll be Aaron Nola. As it go tonight, two and one for he starts in the postseason with a 4.57 ERA. Take it on Christian Javier, who's one and zero with a 1.35 ERA. I'm excited for this one. The Astros now plus 130 to take out the World Series. Everyone was harping on about McCullers having the edge. Everyone was harping on about the depth of that Stroh's bullpen. Well, guess what? We never got to see it. Ranger Suarez dictated terms early. They couldn't get a score. And I hate to say it, but some of these bats for the Houston Astros are slumping. Not good enough from Pena. Not good enough from Jose Altuve. Um, So for me, the Phillies, absolute golden night there in Philadelphia. And maybe it's just their year. The city of Philly. I mean, they've got the Eagles cooking. They've got their soccer team in the MLS final there on Saturday. Mother Nature pushed game three back to last night which allowed them to go to Ranger Suarez, and he delivered. Very exciting stuff with the World Series. Mattress Mac was there in attendance. He didn't look too excited. I wouldn't either, Mattress Mac, if I got $75 million riding on this one. My only concern is, can these bats for the Phillies maintain the clip that they are playing at? 
They're not getting little sharp singles. It's either send it yard or nothing. And that concerns me in the longevity of this series. But you've got to take a look at the two clubhouses. Right now, the Phillies are just absolutely feeding off those good vibes. As we welcome in our radio listeners, Channel 159, this is the morning after. I'm Dubs Innocent filling in for Benny Stevens. Recapping Game 3 of the World Series last night, the Phillies got it done 7 to nothing over the Houston Astros in Philly to take a 2-1 series lead. And we're running it back tonight for Game 4. The Phillies now your favorites uh, to take out that World Series. Very impressive stuff for the Phillies. Aaron Nola is going to be a go out there on the bump, taking on Christian Javier for the Astros. Um, and big news surfacing from the sports world yesterday. It's not just about the World Series, talking a little NBA action. Brooklyn Nets head coach and Steve Nash agree to part ways uh, after a tumultuous offseason there for the Brooklyn Nets. And Steve Nash, it didn't work out. And we knew the writing was on the wall in the offseason. Kevin Durant saying, I cannot work with these guys. We know what's going on with Kyrie Irving. And we saw Steve Nash ejected from a game there last week. He was very frustrated. And this is not a team... That is easy to manage. So very big news there for the Brooklyn Nets. No longer will Steve Nash be at the helm. The early word is Omi Adoka, who's been suspended from the Celtics for uh, some off-the-court indiscretions, if you know what I'm saying. I think he's got a couple of mates in that front office. Could be the front-runner to take over that uh, open job left there by Steve Nash. But I don't know if that's a job I want to be running into the drama working with Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and Ben Simmons. Are you kidding me? And after a very slow start for the Nets, can they turn it around? They got dusted off by the Bulls there again last night. If you're looking to maybe jump in at this spot, the Nets plus 550 to take out the Eastern Conference. I don't mind that number. Steve Nash, he's record 94 and 68 over the course of two seasons, seven in nine amongst the playoffs there. Fine after eight games this season. It has been a very slow start, and Steve Nash has been that scapegoat for Brooklyn. Is Steve Nash out there putting up jumpers? No, I don't think so. Can he control that Ben Simmons doesn't want to shoot? No, I don't think so. Can he control Kyrie Irving and what he says off the court? No, I don't think so. Steve Nash, my guy, I feel for him. Here on a Wednesday morning, baby, the morning after. Let's go. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back into the morning after. I'm Dubs Anderson filling in for Benny Stevens. And usually you can find me Monday through Friday in game live primetime on the nightly on the Sports Grid Network alongside my main man, Joe Ranieri. So we got to get Joe in here. I know it's early, Joe, but we got to talk a little World Series game three last night. We were following along with the action, trying to make those dollars. The Phillies got it done seven. To nothing. Houston couldn't even get a score. The Phillies now go up two to one in the series. Could be a commanding lead. We're going to run it back again tonight. But what did you make of last night's performance from the Astros, Joe? Not good enough. No, well, not good enough at all. And, uh, you know, we were on air watching this unfold. 
And it just seemed, uh, it seemed like, wow, it's almost as if these Phillies hitters know what's coming, Dubs. And, oh, yeah, they did. Uh, and Harper knew it right off the bat, which is why he ran around the bases, ran to the dugout, uh, went right to Alec Bond, told him what was going on, and then proceeded to go down the lineup. Um, tipping pitches uh, is an advantage for Major League Baseball hitters. And when they find a tell... And there's a reason why banging on a garbage pail was so frowned upon with the Astros, right? The reason they did it isn't because it doesn't matter one way or the other. The reason they did it is because when a major league hitter has a pretty good idea of what you're going to throw them, uh, yeah, you're in trouble. Never worried about a fastball. If they knew it was a sinker or if they knew it was a slider or a curveball, it was like they were waiting for it. And guess what, Dubs? They were. And I can't believe it took four innings for Dusty Baker and the pitching coaches there to figure it out. And I don't know why they didn't try to make some adjustment there, but they didn't. But once again, we're seeing starting pitching get lit up for all the runs, and we're seeing bullpens give up nothing. I think we can carry that over into tonight's game as well. Yeah, Lance McCullers sets a World Series record for a starting pitcher by surrendering five home runs. That's not uh, an area of the stat sheet I want my name to be associated with. But Game 3 last night was in Philly. Tonight we run it back in Philly. And again there tomorrow, Game 5 will be in Citizens Bank Park. How big is that advantage, Ranieri, for the Phillies who maybe don't have the depth or the quality that the Astros possess, but... I mean, getting that uh, that big score early, Bryce Harper brought the crowd into it. They fed off it, and after that, it was smooth sailing. Do you expect it to be more of the same tonight? Look at those numbers there, Dubs. 6-0, 17 home runs, 42 runs batted in in the postseason. Um, you know, it was funny. We mentioned it last night that between Nola and Wheeler, the two uh, top pitchers for the Phillies organization, they're the only two pitchers who have given up all the runs. The bullpen has given up no earned runs in this series thus far. And uh, yeah, well, guess who's going tonight? Aaron Nola again. Uh, and I do think it's uh, imperative for the Astros to get out in front of Aaron Nola in this game and try to take that crowd out of it as soon as possible. It's quite obvious with those numbers there, that's a home field advantage. Call me crazy. That's a home field advantage here. And it's going to be interesting to see if the Astros can get to Nola like they did in game one. And let's be realistic here. It hasn't been a great last two postseason starts for Aaron Nola, Dubs. Maybe he's running out of gas a little bit. There was some concern with the velocity dip in Wheeler, which is why they were hoping to get him an extra day before they started him here. Uh, and that worked out thanks to Mother Nature. But they have to get to Nola early in the first five. They, it's imperative that they go out in front and don't give Harper, Schwarber, or one of these guys to go long again and that crowd to get involved in it because uh, it's been tough for any team in this postseason to come back from that. And the Astros are not going to be any different because it starts with Altuve and he got another goose egg up on the board there last night. No hits, no nothing. Kind of looked ridiculous on a few of those swings there. So Astros have to get out in front tonight against Nola. Yeah, he was uh, looking like me after a couple of white claws out there on the golf course for an area. Can't forget exactly. if I'm a right-handy or a, or a left-handy there. But uh, is Houston starting to feel 
the pressure, Joe. I mean, they've looked pretty comfortable until last night. You go down 2-1 in a series. And the fact that they couldn't even get a score last night, Joe, with some of these young guys in the clubhouse, mm. Jeremy Pena, the likes, they're st- sitting around saying, hey, if we lose tonight and we're down 3-1 in the World Series, this is going to be a very tough spot to come back in, especially with Game 5, runner back in Philadelphia, Joe. I mean, has mm. Dusty got the adjustments to get the ship steadied for tonight? First of all, I found it interesting you went to White Claw, but that's a conversation for a different show. Um, I you know would the like law? To, uh, you know the law? No, I'm just, I, listen, I, I'm sure it goes well with your nail polish. Um, so I want to I want to go over here um, with the, the, the future prices here. Phillies minus 155, Astros plus 130. They're correlated here uh, tonight, I think. If you are, and we talked about this when the, the lines opened up last night there, Dubs, I could not figure it out. You've got the Phillies' number one pitcher, Aaron Nola, going against Christian Javier, who's at best the number three, four pitcher of the Astros. You've got him at a minus 105, 107 price here. It's basically a pick em. So Nola is at home with the hotter team, and they're not a favorite, at least a 10-cent favorite anywhere. So I do think if you are back in the Phillies, if you haven't bet anything yet in this World Series and you want to jump in, you take the Phillies tonight and you take that minus 155 future price because I do think Phillies win it tonight. There is a good chance this thing gets closed out in game five. And if the Phillies do win, you ain't getting them at minus 155 anywhere, Dubs. And conversely, same thing with the Astros tonight. Pretty much a pick em price. You got them at plus money now. You know what happens if the Astros win tonight, tie this series up. Guess what? You ain't getting them at plus one, uh, 125, 135 in the series either. So correlate those two bets tonight, the game and the series, with who you think is going to win. Yeah, well, uh, if the Phillies do get it done tonight, Joe, how many games are we going to see this one go the distance? Can the Astros push it to get back there in Houston? Um, from what I'm hearing, from what I'm seeing, I don't know. I think this could be a spot to maybe jump on the Phillies. That's You know, that's how I roll. Phillies four to one plus two seventy. That's not a bad number, Joe. How many games are we going to yep. see? Yeah. Well, we know the numbers. History tells us, Dubs, that a series tied one apiece. Right? Whoever wins Game Three usually goes on to have great success in the series and win the championship. So the uh, the advantage is absolutely with the Phillies here, and I do think here now. They're playing with house money, and a team this loose swinging the bat as well as they are, yeah, that's a very, very dangerous team at home here. So uh, you could it could be over in five, uh, but in all likelihood, I think six is priced about right there, uh, and that's where I would look, five or six. I don't think this goes seven. I really don't think this goes seven, and if wow. it goes less than seven, uh, it's because the Phillies in all likelihood – uh, you got hot at the right time. We've seen hot goalies win Stanley Cups, right? Not necessarily yeah. great all season, but come the playoffs, that's what you got right now with this Phillies team. They are hitting everything, Dubs, everything. Yeah, the Phillies lead the World Series 2-1. to one. Game 4 coming up tonight from Philadelphia. The Astros need to start strong tonight to silence that crowd, Joe. If they do start strong... Who's he going to have to be off the back of? If we're looking at MVP odds here for the World Series, Harper's your favorite. Schwab is at plus 850. But give me someone from the Astros 
not Framba Valdez. I'm not going with a pitcher at 12 to 1. Who's going to be that guy, the big bat for the Strohs? Don't want to shake that hand there. You don't know what's on those fingers. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go. give it a back. Oh, way am I doing that? Um, Harper, I think, has already solidified it for the Phillies. Bet nobody to me but Bryce Harper right now because he, the Phillies win. Bryce Harper's your MVP, hands down. And at plus money, bet him now. Wow, big shout. I need my guy Pena to step up tonight. Make it a series, Houston. Come on now. Joe Ranieri, the white after. Let's go. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Like, you need to win now. That's why you paid him the money. And here you are with a 26-year-old, 25, 26-year-old who is absolutely a monster when he's on the field in rushing the passer, a guy that you can absolutely build a championship defense around, and you trade him. Uh, now, granted, he is going to be due a new contract uh, next year, and apparently it looks like the Dolphins are more than willing to sign him to a long-term extension. But the reality is, what happened, Denver? Like, I, I don't know, did the, is it... Business not good at Walmart because, you know, you got the Waltons who own you now. You can write any check you want to write. Uh, the only knock would be that he has obviously missed some games here uh, with injuries since he's coming to the league. But the reality is you are not under any circumstances going to get a better pass rusher, a more established guy at 26 years old than Bradley Trump. So it's a huge, huge win for the Miami Dolphins, one that is very perplexing, though, from the Denver Broncos' perspective. I have no idea what the plan is moving forward for them. Yeah, and for anyone who's watched uh, the Broncos in a primetime game, he has been the only shining light that they have in that outfit. Bradley Chubb, fantastic player, bringing that pressure. What do you make for the Dolphins, no. Joe, amongst the AFC East? Five and three to start the season. Buffalo, obviously, up top there. At six and one, we look at these numbers to make the playoffs. Suddenly, minus three ten. That's a little juice, baby. But what about to take out the Divi plus nine fifty? Is that still on the cards here? If they can make a bit of a run with Chubb uh, alongside the lads. Well, it's what they needed. Uh, they've had problems getting to the quarterback. We've seen the defense. Uh, they started off hot, but they took a step back there a little bit. We know the offense can score. But that defense has got to get pressure, namely, and, and the reason you go out and get him is because if you don't get to Josh Allen, let's be realistic here, Dubs, it's you're done. Uh, so they need the ability to be able to get to him. They are committed here with Chubb, not just for this season, but obviously for signing him next year and beyond. He's got to be a cornerstone of the defense, and they are making a commitment to the fans, to the, you know, to themselves there that, hey, we can't win without somebody on that defensive side taking over. Uh, now they've got a couple of really good um, ends there that can rush quarterbacks. Yeah, it's a message sent to the Buffalo Bills and the rest of the AFC. Miami is here to play, guys. Uh, it should be very interesting if he stays healthy. Yeah, another head scratcher coming from uh, the big trade news there yesterday. TJ Hawkinson gets traded from the Lions to join the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, I don't understand this one, Ranieri. He is one of the best tight ends in the game. I'd probably have him 
top five, and then you trade him in division? I mean, what is yeah. going on? And for the Vikings, Joe, this is a piece of the puzzle that is certainly going to help them continue to sneak under that radar and be one of the big players as we approach uh, you know, the halfway mark of the NFL season. I have no, I mean, listen, I understand the fact that your Detroit has every reason to sell off pieces. I get it. But why in the world would you trade one of the building blocks of this team, a young tight end who has shown that he can do it all in this league? I, I like to the team that you're going to play twice a year moving forward, like in your own division. I, I don't understand what in the world they were doing here. Uh, Hawkinson would have been the last guy I would have traded. You've got some decisions to make for Detroit, absolutely. But trading away Hawkinson uh, as a cornerstone that you could build around who's been there, I, I don't don't get it. Great get for Minnesota, who uh, had was really looking for a replacement to Kyle Rudolph for all those years. Well, they got him uh, right now, so it should be interesting. Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson now, Adam Thielen, and Hawkinson. That's an all-star, uh, you know, pass-catching crew there for Kirk Cousins. Don't screw it up, Kirk. Yeah, let, let's put Kirk in uh, prime time and see if he can deliver again. But I tell you what, the Vikings, 6-1 and one to start the season. They're taking on the Commanders this Sunday, Joe. That's a lot of weapons. I mean, are you saying there's a chance? A chance that maybe they could go all the way in the playoffs to the Super Bowl? Look at these numbers here. The Bills are your favorites, plus 230. The Eagles undefeated at plus 550. The Vikings, 16 to 1, Joe. Is this a spot that you would entertain? Um, Let me, no, absolutely not. Listen, it's a nice story. The Vikings are fortunate enough to be in an absolute disaster of a uh, division where Aaron Rodgers is, you know, better off throwing the ball to himself. Uh, you've got, of course, Detroit we just talked about and uh, the Bears who uh, are just laughable on so many fronts. So, you know, by process of elimination here, the Vikings are the last one standing. They have gotten a ton of breaks thus far in the season. Their record is reflective of, hey, you get, you're winning some battles in there that are often 50-50, but they're all going your way. There is going to be some regression with this Vikings team. Uh, but, hey, until Kirk Cousins can do something on the road uh, come uh, late November, early December, I, I can't. I, I don't believe it until I see it. Yeah, look at that team up top there, the Buffalo Bills at plus 230. They pick up Neiman Hines yesterday from the Colts. I mean, this one, Joe, completely makes sense. I mean, the Bills, you could argue maybe that this is what they needed to be, the complete package. I don't think they even needed... Neiman Hines to join their force, but they've got him, and now it is a very scary scenario for anyone taking on the Buffalo Bills. Good acquisition, Just 25 years old, uh, Hines is, and uh, he's already caught 300 passes since coming into the league in 2018. As if you ain't got enough to worry about trying to defend the Buffalo Bills between Diggs and Gabriel Davis and Knox. Oh, now I got to worry about Naheem Hines running routes uh, and taking linebackers out of position. Oh, I mean, it's uh, the rich got richer here uh, with this one. Love it. And though I will say this, I mean, they gave up Moss. Moss was averaging about six yards a carry this year. 
uh, for the Buffalo Bills. So that's a pretty good piece back to uh, Indianapolis in the running back position, a position in which they're obviously not healthy and they don't have one of those big bruising backs. They used to have Mack, but he's long gone there. Moss is going to take that spot over and could very well uh, help this Colts team try to get back on track. Yeah, another notable one now from yesterday. Chase Claypool will join the Chicago Bears, giving Justin Fields another weapon there um, at wide receiver. But for me, Joe, it feels like the Green Bay Packers were probably the biggest losers there yesterday. Aaron Rodgers, he was sitting around waiting for another receiver to come in and join the team. Didn't happen. That phone never rang. Um, Chase Claypool, what do you make of that one, Joe? Bit of upside there to him what? at Chicago. The only thing worse uh, for Green Bay to do would have been to, I don't know, go out and trade for Calvin Ridley. Uh, because uh, I don't quite understand this friggin' move either, Jaguars. So, uh, But hey, congratulations. You ended up trading for a wide receiver nobody even remembered played in the league. Uh, but hey, congrats. I'm sure that'll work out great for that organization in three years. Uh, Jeff Wilson, huge for the Dolphins. Uh, you've got basically the 49er Super Bowl backfield right now with Wilson and Mostert uh, there with the same coach uh, calling the plays and pulling the strings. So uh, the Dolphins, it wasn't just about Chubb. I thought Jeff Wilson was kind of flew under the radar, but I thought that was a great, great addition. Chase Edmonds wasn't doing anything, didn't fit very well into the scheme of things. Having Wilson and Mostert back in action huge uh get for the miami dolphins and you mentioned it there uh chase claypool's gonna give justin fields now at least a weapon of some sort to be able to go out and throw the ball to but the reality is the bigger situation is that they prevented uh their arch enemy the green bay packers from improving uh their situation at the position huge get by uh chicago from that standpoint yeah I tell you what the bears Justin Fields, they're trending in the right direction. What about Trevor Lawrence? What's he thinking, Joe, getting Ridley next season? I mean, what, what you got a couple of years to figure it out? I mean, how much more time are the Jags going to spend on Trevor Lawrence giving him Calvin Ridley? Come on now. Mm. That doesn't make sense yeah, to I, me. I think Trevor Lawrence is wishing he still had four more years of eligibility at Clemson because <laughs> he's like, this sucks. I, I don't want yeah. anything. This is just awful. Uh, oh, and by the way, stop throwing interceptions in the red zone, Trevor. How's that? Can we, can we, let's, let's start with that. I don't care who you're throwing to it. Stop throwing it to the other team in the red zone and things will work out. Yeah, he's like, well, that makes sense. I was just told to throw it to someone. I didn't know you meant yeah. my team members. Okay, now it makes sense. Yeah. One of the best sets of lettuce. In the sharpest of marble. <laughs> Just like me and Joe Ranieri, Monday to Friday. Ranieri, have yourself a day, sir. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back into the morning after. I'm Dubs Anderson filling in for Benny Stevens here on a Wednesday morning. Time to talk a little college football with college football insider Mark Zinno. Mark, happy Wednesday, but it's Saturday we're looking forward to. What a showdown we have coming up here. Tennessee taking on Georgia too. 
undefeated teams, the top of the polls. This is as big as it gets. Give me a little primetime special on a Saturday, Mark. Where are we looking for this one? Well, Georgia probably got all the extra motivation it needed by not only not being ranked number one, not being ranked number two, but being relegated to the third spot in the nation behind Tennessee and Ohio State. So I'm sure that Josh Heupel, the head coach of Tennessee, was not happy that Georgia got put number three in this spot because I don't think the Bulldogs needed any extra motivation to go out there and beat Tennessee. But after you get past all that, Dubs, I mean, look, you have a, a classic op, a matchup of offense versus defense, right? The Volunteers, high-powered, high-potent offense again against a Georgia defense that doesn't allow much to anybody. Now, all that said, I'm not really sure that that's where the game is 100% going to be decided. I look at two areas. One, again, still that Tennessee bass pass defense, which I think has been a liability all season long, will eventually get them upset by somebody, um, and, and it could be – these Georgia tight ends, Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington, are absolutely just monsters and impossible to cover. Could have a big field day through that Tennessee secondary. And another matchup I'll look at is how well can the Tennessee front four apply pressure on Georgia's quarterback, Stetson Bennett, and force his life to be a little bit uncomfortable and force him to make some bad decisions. We've seen Bennett have some sort of weird throws, bad interceptions this year that have put Georgia not in bad spots per se, Dubs, but have allowed – a game like Florida last week, it was two turnovers that Georgia made that allowed Florida to take a 28-3 game and make it a 28-24 game much closer than it ever should have been. So I think when you look at those kind of matchups, that's where this game will be decided. Clearly, Georgia's going to have some problems slowing down Hendon Hooker. Uh, but I think overall, when you look at the matchup, you know, it, it goes beyond just what can Tennessee's offense do against Georgia's defense. There's a lot of different ways this game could play out. I'll maintain that if Georgia plays a clean game and they don't beat themselves, Tennessee won't be able to beat them either. Now, will Tennessee be able to cover that number? Probably yes is where I stand. Yeah, this is going to be a big statement amongst the SEC. Talk to me about Hendon Hooker, Mark. I mean, this guy just knows how to play in an efficient manner. Very professional. 21 tons for the season, only one interception. And you look at these numbers here to take out the SEC, Georgia, plus 100, no even money, but the Volunteers at 5-1. to one. If the Vols could somehow get it done this Saturday, is it going to have to be off the back of a little Hendon Hooker magic? I mean, yes, and look at those numbers there, Dubs. Like, you need to put a bet on Tennessee right now to win the SEC uh, because once this game is over, if Tennessee wins it, those numbers are going to be flipped. It, it, it's going to yeah. fall right off a cliff, and you won't get anywhere near the same price. So if you believe Tennessee can beat Georgia, you may as well make the bet for them to win the SEC even if they rematch against Alabama in the SEC championship game, because I think that's the best odds you're absolutely going to get for them to do so. Beyond that, as you said, it will be up to Hendon Hooker. I mean, he's been really smart in balancing his athleticism and ability to run the ball with throwing the football. I mean, earlier in his career, he made a lot more plays with his legs, I think, because one, lack of talent around him. Two, you know, sort of understanding Josh Heupel's scheme and being able to be really efficient in it. Now you're seeing a different quarterback that looks to throw the ball first, run when he needs to, run to keep plays alive. But beyond that, you know, he's executing this offense at a superior level like we haven't seen before. And to that end, Georgia's going to have their hands full. He's probably the best quarterback in the SEC at this point in time. And, you know, anytime you're facing that challenge, you always know that he's got a possibility to make his team and elevate his team to a win.
Yeah, uh, keeping it in line with SEC, Bama taking on LSU. We're headed to Baton Rouge for a primetime special. Brian Kelly has LSU absolutely charging. I had a big ticket on him taking on Ole Miss a couple weeks ago, and I almost threw the ticket out in the first half, Zinner. I'm like, no, nah, LSU, they completely shot, but they turned it around. They're now cooking on full diesel, but for Bama, are we a little concerned? Have they looked a little shaky on the road this season? Given up 12 and a half on Saturday. How's this one going to play out? They have looked shaky at times. You know, again, you, you go back to obviously the game against Tennessee. They get pushed to the limit by AM. They get pushed to the limit by Texas. This is not a Alabama team that we're used to seeing. All that said, Dubs, you know, outside of Joe Burrow and the all world LSU team that won the national title, uh, the last time LSU beat Alabama, um, Dubs, you were a little mini dubs. It was it was a <laughs> long time ago. You have to go back 11 years because Alabama has won 10 of the last 11. It was the 9-6 game um, that LSU won, and then Alabama answered back by winning the national title game. So uh, this has been a, a convincing run, one-sided run for Alabama, and a lot of these games have been lopsided by bigger totals than this 12-and-a-half that we're seeing here. These are the kind of games where Alabama tends to end up uh, getting back to their roots and playing their best football for some reason. You know, it's really hard to resist taking LSU, getting these kind of points for a night game in Death Valley. I'll probably fall on the LSU side when it's all said and done, but would it really surprise anybody if Alabama went out and won this game, you know, in the neighborhood the same way they dismantled Arkansas on the road, you know, and, and won this game in a sense of 40 to 24? I don't think it would surprise anybody. Yeah, and on that note there, Mark, is it enough for Bama to just get the win? Or at this point, are we looking for style points to come with the Crimson Tide to put themselves back up the top of some of these polls and rankings? I don't think the, I don't think Alabama needs style points when it's all said and done, Dubs. I mean, look at the schedule that they've had to go through and the quality of teams yeah. that they've had to play. Again, we mentioned Texas, you know, Arkansas, Tennessee, Mississippi State. These are all ranked teams that they're going to end up playing, not to mention LSU and Ole Miss in, in the course of this Saturday and next Saturday. Survive in advance for Alabama. If they end up with one loss in the SEC championship game and then win the title, guess what? Much to everybody's chagrin, Alabama will be back in the college football playoff. Yeah, well, uh, talking about the playoffs, the playoff rankings have been released. Tennessee at the top of the list, Ohio State in two, Georgia in three. But we're looking at the AP top 25 as well there. This blows my mind. Georgia at one, Tennessee at two with Ohio State and Michigan at four. What did you make of the playoff rankings coming out there, Mark? Any surprises? Yeah, uh, Clemson does not deserve to be the fourth best team in the nation. They're just... There's nothing about their schedule and anybody that they've played that's they belong ahead of a Michigan. I don't even think they belong ahead of Oregon, um, given how the way Oregon's played. I mean, the one legitimate real opponent that they played in Wake Forest, uh, they got pushed to the limit and had to go to overtime. I don't count NC State. Um, even though that's a good win, they were home against that one. And again, the same thing, they were down to Syracuse in the second half of that game and had to come back. Where is their real legitimate win? Georgia Tech? Furman, Boston College, what are we doing here? Like, they legitimately have played the weakest schedule of anybody in the top 10 by a wide margin. Uh, and, and I think that that they should be on the outside looking in, even if they are an undefeated conference champion. Look, if you have a one-loss Oregon, uh, or even to a certain extent, um, a one-loss TCU, TCU just went through a gamut 
where they won and beat four top 15 teams in the top 20 teams in the country, Oklahoma, Kansas, Oklahoma State, and Kansas State. That's not an easy run for anybody to go through and to win all four of those games. So, you know, I, I think there's some disrespect being shown to Oregon, TCU, Michigan, all being ranked below uh, a Clemson team that, frankly, you know, I don't think necessarily is all that great. Yeah, Clemson minus 220 there to make the playoffs. Bama plus 115, plus money for the Crimson Tide. But talking about uh, Clemson, I think that quarterback play has been a little spotty as well there, DJ, DJU. But obviously undefeated, that's going to keep them in the conversation. They're taking on Notre Dame this Saturday, 5-3 and three to start their season. Clemson laying three and a half on the road. I mean, if they can't cover this number, Zeno, I think it's time to put a, put a pen through them. I can't back him with confidence. How's this one playing out yeah, on Saturday? I, I, look, this is a complete stay-away game for me. It feels like a trap spread all the way uh, for Clemson. Uh, it, it's a very short number. Here's the thing, though, with Clemson. If you go back and look, they've really excelled at covering short numbers this year. I mean, w when you look at the – outside of the Wake Forest game, it was 7.5. They win by 6. They don't cover that one. They cover a short number against NC State. They cover a short number against Florida State. But yet they don't cover against Syracuse, which was a double-digit favorite. Um, and, and you know, outside of that, uh, the, the other double-digit favorites that they've been have been against bad teams like Georgia Tech, Boston College, and everything else. So, you know, I don't really count those games as numbers that they shouldn't cover. But when you're talking about legitimate ACC opponents and teams that they've played, they've been able to cover short numbers, just not big ones. Uh, but this feels like a number that, uh, to me, you know, it sets up for the last real test that Clemson's going to have, and I think they know it, that once they get past this game, they have an easy sailing to an ACC title if they don't get tripped up here. So the number reflects that. Um, to me, again, trap spread, wouldn't touch this game with a 10-foot pole. I'll sit back and watch it and enjoy it on Saturday night, but I just don't trust this spot right now. But the flip side of that is that Notre Dame isn't very good. Um, they, they, they have – problems at quarterback they're not very talented overall uh and and you've seen them struggle along the way with teams how they lost to stanford stanford's terrible um they're terrible offensively and defensively so uh, maybe Notre dame starts to turn it on and make it a little bit respectable towards the end of the year but they would need a big win here uh to be able to do so to put themselves in a bowl game that matters Clemson minus 170 there on the money line taken on Notre Dame this Saturday. Lay in three and a half. If Mark Zeno says maybe it's a stay away game, I'm going to listen because this is the same Mark Zeno that told me don't go near those Aggies early in the season. And that one played out exactly as you called it there, Mark. But uh, let's talk about a Big 12 matchup. Texas Tech taken on TCU who have been pretty strong. 8-0 to start the season. TCU laying nine and a half. This Saturday, Fort Worth, Texas. A Texas matchup for the ages, Zen. How's this one shaping up? I keep waiting for TCU to have that game where they're stuck in a game against a lesser opponent that they shouldn't be in, right? Like, everybody seems to have that game. You know, we saw it in Alabama and Texas. You know, we see it repeatedly over and over again. But... As I mentioned earlier, that run that they went on, other than Oklahoma State, you know, being a game that was of an equal opponent that it didn't surprise anybody that it was a field goal game, they blow the doors off Oklahoma. They beat Kansas on the road pretty soundly. Um, and Kansas State, they take care of uh, in a 10-point win and not allowing a single point 
in the second half, and then they win again by 10 against West Virginia, albeit in a little bit of a odd fashion with that last-minute touchdown. So you kind of keep waiting for TCU to struggle in a moment in a game where they shouldn't be in, and it hasn't really happened yet. So it's hard not to back TCU in these spots given how well they've performed. But the real question is, like, can they keep this up? If this game was in Lubbock, Texas, I would be all over Texas Tech to cover this number. I just don't – the fact that it's in Fort Worth, I don't know that I could back Texas Tech. They don't have a defense that I I can really respect and think that they can uh, slow down Max Duggan and the TCU offense. And from that standpoint, you know, uh, TCU should have their way offensively. If Texas Tech is forced to play catch-up throughout the game, could be a problem for, for the Red Raiders. Love it. Mark Zeno breaking it all down the week ahead. College football. One more game. I'm going to throw at you, in. Auburn Tigers taking on the Mississippi State Bulldogs. I need one more for the betting card. 13 and a half. Mm-hmm. Auburn and Geddon. Who are we taking? Mississippi State all the way. And I said that way before Brian Harson got fired. Back the ball. Mark Zeno, you are the man. Mississippi State, let's ride. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back into the morning after I'm Dubs Anderson. It is What Else Wednesday. What else do we have going on in the sports betting universe? We got a little PGA Tour action getting underway tomorrow down there in Mayacoba, Mexico for the Worldwide Technology Championship. And we've actually got a couple of big names. Your headliners include Scotty Scheffler, Colin Morikawa, and Victor Hovland, who is trying to win this tournament three years in a row. And I can't say... That that's not going to happen. I like Victor Hovland at 10 to 1 from the top of the board. This is a golf course, El Chameleon, designed by the one and only Greg the Shark Norman. It's coastal golf. Mother Nature is going to be a factor, but it's all about keeping it in play. You want to be finding the fairway. You've got larger Paspalum greens this week, so good iron play is going to be rewarded. And that is exactly why we've seen Victor Hovland fare so well here in the past. Do you need a short game? No, throw it out the window. But a field with a couple of big names, we've certainly got to have a couple on the card. I'm going to take Victor Hovland there. I'm going to throw in uh, Colin Morikawa at 15-1. to who has the motivation trying to finish off the year strong. Didn't have a single win last season on the PGA Tour. He's still third in strokes gain on approach. Very impressive. I think that could be a name to watch. If you're looking for a bit more value in your life here on a Wednesday morning, what about Jason Day at 34-1? to The Aussie, the journeyman. He's been battling some injuries, but the body is finally in good check. And he's been playing a lot more golf on the PGA Tour. That's the only thing he has been missing, getting those reps in. So Jason Day at 34 to 1 is our value play. And we're going to take a slice of Thomas Dietrich, the young Belgian who had a runner-up finish there last week in Bermuda. Playing in Bermuda, very similar to Mayakoba, just another tropical paradise where these professional golfers get to play for millions on millions of dollars. If you want a lock, we're going to go with the ultimate chess player, Chris Kirk, for a top. 40 finish at plus 125. Fairways, greens, not the strongest field. Scotty Scheffler, he's changing putters. We're not worried about him. Victor Hovland, can he win it three years in a row? 
Yes, I think he's got a very good chance. The PGA Tour getting started tomorrow. Go and get those tickets in. The morning after, more coming up when we get back.